Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that explores the ups, downs, and in-betweens of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about how the Leaning Tower of Pisa got its trademark lean and why it took more than 600 years for engineers to finally get a grip on it. The day was February 27, 1964. The Italian government began accepting proposals for how to save the Leaning Tower of Pisa from collapsing. At the time, the top of the eight-story tower was leaning 17 feet south of its base, and the tilt was getting worse by a fraction of an inch every year. Officials worried that the iconic tower might topple in the next few decades, or even sooner, if there was an earthquake or a powerful storm. All of Italy's previous attempts to correct the problem had failed, so the country decided to seek suggestions from the international community. Experts from all over the world weighed in on how to save one of Italy's most popular landmarks. But despite some promising ideas, they didn't land on a winning strategy until 35 years later. Work on the tower began in 1173 as part of the construction of Pisa's Grand Cathedral Complex. At the time, Pisa was a major trading power and one of the wealthiest cities in Europe. To celebrate that good fortune and to show it off a bit, the city started building a lavish town square on the northwestern edge of the city. That complex, known today as the Piazza dei Miracoli, or the Square of Miracles, was designed to hold three structures central to religious life. A baptistry to represent birth, a cathedral to represent life, and a cemetery to represent death. In addition, there would be the Tower of Pisa, a freestanding white marble tower that would house the bells of the cathedral. 
Although ornate in its own right, the tower wasn't meant to be any more alluring or unique than the neighboring structures. But thanks to an engineering mishap, it became one of the most famous buildings in the world. Although not for the reason that architects would have wanted. It took the builders five years to complete two of the tower's eight stories. And by then, things were already looking a bit wonky. The tower's foundation had begun to settle unevenly. And as a result, the whole structure had started tilting toward the south. The reason for the tower's precipitous lean is now believed to be the very site on which it was built. The city of Pisa lies right between the Arno and Circhio rivers in Tuscany, and the tower itself was built not far from the shore of the Ligurian Sea. As a result of the area's high water table, the ground beneath the tower was a watery mix of clay, shells, and sand. Not an ideal place to put a tall, heavy building. Soon after the problem was discovered, war broke out between Pisa and its fellow Italian city-states, Lucca and Florence. The conflicts halted construction on the tower for nearly a century, but the delay turned out to be a good thing, as it allowed the bell tower's foundation to settle further, limiting the risk of its collapse. Work on the tower eventually resumed in fits and starts, and builders made several efforts to mitigate the tower's lean. For instance, while working on the 8th floor, they angled the story to the north to try to balance out the structure's southern drift. Unfortunately, the tactic failed, as the added weight at the top still caused the tower to lean even farther. Having done everything they could, the builders completed the tower around 1370. That means it took just under two centuries to build it from start to finish, though the actual working period was only about 20 years. Over the next six centuries, the tower continued to sink at an annual rate of 0.05 inches, or 1.27 millimeters. The lean gradually became more and more noticeable, until finally it was the structure's defining feature, and a reference to it was even added to the tower's name. By 1964, the Leaning Tower of Pisa was one of the most visited tourist attractions in Italy with millions of people flocking to the Square of Miracles each year to see it. The tower's popularity gave a reliable boost to the city's economy, but its growing instability was beginning to make the government nervous. By that point, the top of the 180-foot tower was roughly 17 feet out of alignment with its base. Experts warned that it could easily topple in the right conditions, and the longer the issue went unaddressed, the more likely it was to end in tragedy. And so, on February 27, 1964, the Italian government began welcoming suggestions for how to stabilize its beloved monument. A multinational committee of historians, engineers, and mathematicians was convened to discuss possible solutions. The most promising plan was to drill holes into the tower's foundation and pour a concrete ring around its base to stop the structure from sinking any deeper. Unfortunately, when this was attempted in 1966, the drilling promptly caused the lean to increase, and the project had to be aborted. Several more attempts were made in the following decades, including wrapping plastic-coated steel pieces around the tower's lower floors and installing anchored cable counterweights on its north side. However, none of those methods proved viable as the government didn't want to make permanent additions to the building, such as unsightly braces or cables. 
The tower had remained open to visitors throughout the various restoration attempts, but in 1990, the decision was made to close the monument due to heightened safety concerns. Once again, the Italian government organized an international task force, and once again, multiple proposals were put forward, considered, and ultimately rejected. Finally, in 1999, the panel of experts hit upon a solution that seemed promising and satisfied all of Italy's conditions. They determined that if enough soil was carefully excavated from the tower's elevated north side, the building would settle into the newly formed space and the tilt would be reduced. The only catch was that this process, known as under-excavation, ran the risk of disturbing the tower's foundation which could cause it to collapse. To avoid this, the engineers had to work extremely slowly, removing no more than a gallon or two of soil in a day. As a further precaution, they temporarily attached a massive cable harness to the tower, which would hopefully keep it standing in the event of a sudden destabilization. The soil extraction proceeded slowly, but strong progress was evident along the way. Within six months, the tilt had been reduced by more than an inch, and by the end of the year 2000, by nearly a foot. The project wrapped up in late 2001, after 38 cubic meters, or about 1,300 cubic feet, of soil had been removed. The Leaning Tower of Pisa was still leaning when it reopened to the public that December, but thanks to the controlled excavation, its tilt had been reduced by a full foot and a half. The good news continued in 2008 when an inspection confirmed that the tower's movement had indeed stopped for the first time since it had been built. Experts say that the 18 inches of verticality reclaimed through under-excavation will give the landmark another two to three centuries of life. The biggest threat to the tower's longevity would be an unpredictable disaster, such as an earthquake. But even in that case, there's a surprisingly good chance that it might survive. That's because, according to engineers, the Leaning Tower of Pisa benefits from a phenomenon known as dynamic soil structure interaction. It basically means that during an earthquake, the tower wouldn't move and shake like a building with a firmer foundation because its soft soil would have a cushioning effect. So ironically, the very thing that caused the tower to lean in the first place is also its best bet for withstanding a seismic event. Still, if the Leaning Tower of Pisa should ever fall, it's worth noting that the city does have a backup. Two, in fact. The bell towers of two other nearby churches have also failed to stand up straight. And while their leans aren't nearly as drastic, they could still make for a decent selfie in a pinch. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully, you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any feedback to share, feel free to pass it along by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.